This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. I'm your host, Joe Carpenter, and today I am here in the studio with Brother John O. Sims. And brother, it is a beautiful spring day. It's supposed to get up to 82 degrees later on. You think you may go out and give get a ride on your bike? That's my plan, brother. I love these spring afternoons, and it's a great opportunity to just get some exercise in, which helps me so much. I see more benefit in that now than I ever have before. It helps me so much to Amen. just uh, be alert and aware, and uh, it helps with discouragement. It helps with fear. It It just helps with so many things to... Um, keep my perspective on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Helps me to think clearly sometimes, too. <laughs> Clears out all the clutter. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's good. Well, welcome back. Sure. Uh, yesterday was your first day back into the pulpit after about a week where you were gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were down in Brookhaven, Mississippi, preaching at Grace Life Church in Brookhaven. Pastor Chris Shepard right. uh, has been there for several years now. Oh, yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about your stay there. Man, just a general statement at first. Uh, I am so thankful and so grateful to God to let me be a part of this uh, great movement of God called Anchored in Truth. Yeah. Um, everywhere I go, all the churches that I'm a part of, it is just so rewarding to be a part of churches that are striving, obviously imperfectly, to truly be New Testament churches that are trying to be thoroughly biblical. They're all committed to exposition of Scripture. Their methodologies line up with their theology. Hmm. And just as my experience at Grace Life Brook, you know, Haven this past week, uh, just so much joy, so much love, so much peace, so much unity, hmm. the exact opposite of what you see when you go into the average church nowadays with infighting and cliques and schisms and Mm. fights and and warring. And it's just such a rewarding thing to be in this Anchored in Truth family. I I have such a clear conscience that when I challenge our people to give um, to the tithes and offerings of this church, and more specifically to faith commitment offering, which is dedicated 100% to our world missions effort, I can do it with an absolutely clear conscience, an enthusiastic, energetic spirit, because I know these pastors, I know these missionaries, I know these church plants, Hmm. and I know they're all dedicated to the Word of God. And that was my experience in Brookhaven, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Um, Pastor Chris is just doing a phenomenal job leading that church. The people in his church love each other Hmm. because they love Christ. He's preaching the Word. He does a great job of preaching. I listened to some of his sermons on the way back from Mississippi. Matter of fact, I I just spent that seven hours listening to several of our Anchored in Truth pastors Hmm. all across the country. I just just wanted to hear these brothers preaching, you know, just be encouraged. And every one of them just did an excellent job. But Chris is uh, doing a magnificent job of Hmm. shepherding this church. Uh, the men that surround him in leadership are all godly men mm-hmm. that love Christ. And I, it was just a joy to be with them. And, you know, hopefully in some way uh, they asked a lot of questions. They mm-hmm. sought my counsel. And hopefully in some way to, to help them, to sharpen them, to challenge them on, to 
you know, greater obedience and greater love for Christ. And they said that was the experience, and I'm going to take their their word for it. Hmm. But it's just a joy uh, to be a part of people that are eager to hear the word and want you to be there and are drinking deep at all that you're teaching them from God's word. Hmm. You know, we've all read about biblical cooperation yes. within the New Testament. We see the church at Antioch, the church at Corinth, and so on. But it's something sweet when you actually get to experience it. It, it really is. And, you know, just, what, two weeks before that, I was with Brother Derek Melton mm-hmm. out in Pryor, Oklahoma. Exact same experience there. Mm. Uh, just just a loving congregation that loves Christ, loves the Word, loves their pastor. And that's my experience every Anchored in Truth church I go to, though, mm. is that uh, – and Chris and Brookhaven is no exception. They have paid the price dearly. Mm. They have been through the fire and and it's been painful, but it's been purifying. Mm. And, um, you know, they're in agreement with us that it's good that I have been afflicted, mm-hmm. that I might learn your statutes. And the Lord uses affliction and suffering and and he uses difficulty and hardship to sanctify us. And I see that happening in that congregation down there and, and in all of our Anchored in Truth churches here and, and around the world. Amen. What a wonderful thing to witness and to be a part of. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm just so thankful the Lord let me be a part of what he's doing here. That's great. Well, today we're going to talk about the subject of biblical hospitality. Right. And uh, we're just going to start at the starting point, Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is the passage of Scripture where we see not only the biblical qualifications for deacons, but also for overseers and pastors. And one of those qualifications mentioned in verse 2, and brother, forgive me, I'm reading from the NASB. That's okay. (laughs) It says there in verse 2, an overseer, that's a pastor, then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, here it is, hospitable, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, able to teach, and he goes on further. Tell us a little bit about what that means to be given to hospitality, as the King James says. Right. Well, would you agree with me, brother, that that's probably one of the more overlooked qualifications of an elder, of a pastor. Sure. When the list is read, that one, in my experience, has almost been read, but mm-hmm. not really thundered. Maybe not... assumed or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And this would be one of those cases where that would be a bad assumption. Amen. Everybody thinks they know what that word means, Mm. but this is why we're expositors. This is why we um, do word studies, and this is why we go back and look at the etymology of words and where they come from. Mm -hmm. And though I'm no Greek scholar by any means, the word hospitality is a compound word in the Greek, follow, Mm -hmm. which is one of the Greek words for love, Mm -hmm. and xenos, which means strangers. Mm. So if you just on the mere surface take those two compound words, you have a basic working definition of hospitality, and that is a lover of strangers. Mm -hmm. But I think everybody by default just simply thinks that this means, well, I need to use my home in a hospitable way. And Mm. certainly that can be mm-hmm. a part of this, or they'll think, well, I, I need to, you know, be inviting guests into my home. I just, I need to be loving toward guests. Well, that's a wonderful thing to do, mm-hmm. but that's not at all what this verse of Scripture is talking about. 
uh, keep in mind the context. We're mm-hmm. talking, it's a pastoral epistle. Mm-hmm. It's primarily addressing pastors. And here, the pastor of the church at Ephesus, Timothy, young Timothy, Paul's disciple. And one of the qualifications the Holy Spirit lays down for pastors is that they, as the King James Version says, be given, this is to be an ongoing state, something they're always about, Mm -hmm. to be given to hospitality. Mm -hmm. And in the strictest context, when you go back and look at this, and William Barclay, who, um, you know, can kind of be somewhat, I think, the reputation through the years maybe liberal leaning in some of his interpretations, but I think every man respects him for his scholarship and for his good job he does on biblical backgrounds and context. Yeah. And one of the things that Barclay brings out is that in the Christian world at this time, you know, there there were wandering and traveling preachers mm-hmm. that went about from town to town to town, um, maybe in an itinerant way, maybe a guest preacher in one way or another, and uh, they needed hospitality. Mm. The inns, uh, what we would call a hotel, mm. uh, the inns of the ancient world were notoriously horrible. Mm. I mean, everything from almost brothel-type uh, houses of ill repute to dens and thieves for robbers and bandits and you know people being mugged and, if not outright, killed and robbed and beaten. Mm. And so... No one with any ounce of the love of Jesus Christ inside of them would want to subject uh, knowingly a faithful gospel minister of the Jesus of Jesus Christ to such a horrible thing. I mean, one of those qualifications is that you be above reproach. Yeah. And my goodness, if you're putting this brother up in an inn that's basically a tavern. Yeah. You know, it just is a bad, bad situation. That's right. So understanding that context, the Lord laid down this biblical qualification that, look, you're a pastor, you're a local pastor, Timothy, you're in Ephesus, you're financially, you've got a home, you've got a house, you're stable, you've been there for a while, you know the safe parts of town, you know the unsafe parts of town. So whenever... There's a visiting pastor, whether it's Paul or one of the Mm. apostles or an itinerant brother, uh, a brother traveling around preaching the gospel. You take care of him. You you make sure, yes, opening up your home, letting him stay with you instead of staying in an inn in this day would have been uh, included in that. But mainly uh, loving them, providing for them, taking care of them in such a way that their needs are met. And uh, all of that and more would be included in the term philoxenos, mm-hmm. uh, a, a lover of strangers, quote, given to hospitality. Yeah. As I'm listening to you say that, too, I'm, I'm realizing that back and it's almost amazing how things have kind of flipped. Yes, it's opposite, isn't it? Because today, one of the greatest ways I think that we could show true hospitality to a pastor would be not always to have them in our home. And and I want to be careful about saying that. I'm not saying be unwelcoming or uninviting, but while they're there, can they really let their hair down? Can they really relax? I think it would be safe to say right up front, brother, this would be a good disclaimer to give. Obviously, I'm not mandating absolutes here. I'm not an apostle. I'm just your brother. But this grows out of 33 and a half years of doing this, and literally I've traveled all over the world, brother. I, um, I've preached so many meetings, 
and have been treated everywhere from really, really good <laughs> to really, really bad. And I've learned a lot through the years. So I would say that I'm not mandating any absolutes, but I would say this. Everything we're about to discuss yeah. is what we do here at Shelbyville Mills. This mm-hmm. is our normal, consistent practice. You know this is one of the first things I taught you yeah. and ex- and demanded of you when you came here. Okay, Joe, now when we have a visiting minister in, missionary, a uh, guy speaking at our hunter's night out or a guy addressing VBS or coming to preach a week-long meeting or if it's a missionary coming in for a World Impact Conference, here's how I want that to go. You remember? Yes. I've got and the list right above my computer screen I printed right that now. out for mm-hmm. you to, to, yeah. to follow. And so I would just say that, first of all, this is not you know just pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. This is who we are and this is what we do, and this is our normal practice. I think maybe a, a, another disclaimer that, that I would give is I'm not asking for anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not commenting on any church I've been to in the past, nor any that's down the road for me to go to. I, I would just kind of echo the Apostle Paul at this point and say that I don't share these things with you because I desire a gift. But I share these things with you, as Paul said, that fruit might abound to your account. Our church, and we're going to get to this in a moment, has been blessed super abundantly through a generous spirit. Mm -hmm. And every church needs to learn this because of what God does for them Mm -hmm. when they obey given to hospitality. I, I hope those disclaimers, we're not asking for anything. As Paul said, I have all yeah. And in abundance, mm-hmm. I need nothing. Mm-hmm. And if I never get anything from any other outside church, my church takes care of me. But these are things that I believe pastors need to hear and and perhaps uh, learn from, you know, from our practice here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just start at the top then. Okay. So if we know that we've got somebody coming in, let's just say for a hunter's night out, uh, number one, what are some of the things that we should do and do currently yeah. uh, as a church family? Well, I I guess I would say, brother, that I would lean more toward maybe using an example at at the first as as a maybe a week long meeting like a, um, you know, our fall outreach Mm -hmm. or what we might have historically called a revival. And where you're really asking a brother to come and take a big chunk of their time out. Yeah. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So he's going to have to travel on Saturday all day. Mm-hmm. And then he can't leave probably Wednesday night after church because that's too late. So basically, you're talking about Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So that's six days. That they're under our care. Yeah, that they're, that they're under our care. And I, I would just say, brother, that first of all, there's some things that we do before a meeting. Mm-hmm. And you stop me at any point and ask me about any particulars. But one of the things that I start doing weeks out in advance is I start letting our church know, obviously they know months in advance that we're having our fall outreach, here's the dates, because mm-hmm. we start announcing that a long way out. But, you know, probably a month out from the meeting, I just start challenging our people about being generous in the love offering. Amen. Long before he gets here, I, I just start challenging them about, hey, you know, we're asking this guy to leave his, oftentimes his wife, his and children. children. He's leaving his church. Um, he's traveling a good ways to get here. Uh, he's laying everything down, mm-hmm. you know, to come be a part of us. Man, let's bless his socks off. Let, yeah. Let's let him leave here with the largest, most generous, bountiful love gift he's ever received. And most of the times, we're able to do that. Yeah. And so I just kind of always remind our people that, and I know you're talking about the context of a pastor of a local church, but I believe it ap- applies to visiting pastors that, 
um, you know, we should count this brother of double honor, you know, worthy of that. First mm-hmm. Timothy five seventeen and eighteen, and That's right. we should recognize that you know he's laboring in the word and doctrine. He's, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, an ox treading out the corn and working hard. He's working hard, brother. And I can just tell you from experience, like when I come home from one of these meetings. And y'all experienced it even yesterday with me coming back and today in staff meeting. Man, I'm just kind of brain dead <laughs> because it taxes you mentally, physically, sp- spiritually, emotionally. I mean, you're, you're spent. Mm-hmm. And so I just begin challenging our people, even in advance of him coming, that when he gets here, obviously we'll be taking a love offering every service. And 100% of that goes to the visiting preacher without, any, without one penny being taken out of it, right. and um, and I just start challenging our people to begin praying about what God would have them give. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It and, does, and that's exactly what we do. And right. like you said, our people respond very well to it. And I think a lot of it, too, is not just because of the immediate challenge, but it's been laid down over the years yep. from Scripture. Right. And you've been bold to preach those texts uh, that talk about the importance of uh, not only generosity in general, but specifically to the man of God, the one who's entrusted with your soul. I've been around Brother Jeff sometimes, and I've preached several meetings for him, and, and I've even been there when other brothers were preaching. And I, I've heard him say something through the years about, why don't you pray about giving an extra week's tithe this week for our visiting um, preacher? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that, I like that kind of challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, brother, another thing that we have historically done before a meeting is we always try to mail the brother his mileage check and his expense check in advance of him coming. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I, I'm not mandating anything, but I have reasons for doing that. Uh-huh. Um, brother, first of all, some brothers are in churches and they're struggling so much they don't have enough money to come to my church. Exactly. And how many times have we heard that? Yeah. Well, brother, I would love to come preach at your church, but pulling away, I can't. He don't even have money to put gas in his car. Let alone meals along the way. Brother, when Kayla and I were young and I had five young kids and they were all 17, 18 months apart, mm-hmm. brother, I didn't, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. <laughs> and the thought of I've got to fill my tank up three or four times to get to this guy, and I've got to eat meals along the way. And if it's a long way, if it's a real long way, you might have to stop halfway and get a hotel That's true. if you don't fly. Mm-hmm. And I've had all kinds of scenarios like that. And so we try to mail their mileage and expense check. And here's what that looks like. Whatever the current IRS um, rate is for that year, that's what we give them on mileage. That's what a business would do mm-hmm. that was bringing in a – person on a business meeting or whatever and man if that's that if that's the world standard surely we can match that be more generous yeah and and so we just kind of let that be our standard that's what i personally get here at shelbyville mills for expense reimbursement of the miles that i travel for ministry here that's mm-hmm. what they y'all do for me mm-hmm. and i think right now that's like 58.5 cents per mile and uh, the IRS reviews that every year and raises it or what it lowers it based upon, you know, fuel cost and insurance cost and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I would also include in that, you know, a, a little meal stipend because mm-hmm. he's going to have to eat a couple of meals on the way out if his wife's coming with him. You know, mm-hmm. Paul said, do we not have a right to bring along with us a believing wife? Amen. And I love it when Kayla's able to go with me. It just makes the week so much more precious and she ministers to the ladies while she's there uh and 
you know, so if you, if, a, if a brother's bringing his wife, you know, kind of keep that in mind as well. Hmm. I would say if he's going to fly, you book his flight right. and give it, or give him the church credit card number. Mm-hmm. So again, he's not out, you know, five or six hundred dollars yeah. uh, for your meeting. Mm-hmm. It's, I think a lot of this, Brother Joe, is just being sensitive yes. and caring yeah. and thoughtful and not just, um, you know, unsensitive yeah yeah and and that's a hard thing to teach we've talked about this over the years that is a very difficult thing to teach somebody there's something brother that just the holy spirit does in a man's heart that walks close to him that he has some spiritual peripheral vision he pays attention to what's going on around him and i think a lot of this falls into that category and here would be another one brother Mm -hmm. now is this required no is this something the bible demands no again i'm speaking to you from my heart but you know we do this here. If the brother that's coming, if his wife is unable to come with him, we usually, brother, send her a thank you card and a bouquet of flowers or a, her favorite gift card that we found out she likes. A little bit of investigation helps you here. Mm-hmm. And we send that to her just to say thank you for sharing your husband. And like in mine and Kayla's case years ago, when I left, that meant Kayla had to do double time. Exactly. She had to be mama and daddy. And five children. Exactly. (laughs) And so that's one of the things we always do is we just send a card and a a small gift to that pastor's wife, um, thanking her for her sacrifice and willingness to let her husband come and minister to us. What about uh, their lodging when they stay? What are you kind of looking at there? Well, I'd go back to something that you said a minute ago, because Uh I believe from the first century, when we looked at hospitality in that context, the ends were horrible, but (laughs) now they're great. Now, I would just say this again, I'm not mandating anything. I prefer to stay in a hotel room. And the reason I do is because just like last week down in Brookhaven, I spent that time, brother, reading Mm. and studying and preparing. Mm. And if I stay with you or I stay with a member of the church, even if it's the best of best situations, sure. even if it's the absolute best of best situations, you still have to be very discreet. That's right. Very careful. You're afraid, am I staying up too late? And here's another thing. When I stay with people and the pastor keeps me out late yeah. and we're talking or I meet with his men, those people have got to stay up till I get there. Let me right. give you an example. Yeah. The True Church Conference. My dad lives in Florence, Alabama, and mm-hmm. he wants me to stay with him. Yeah. And I normally do. But, you know, during the True Church Conference, I don't stay with my dad. You know why? Mm-hmm. I don't get in till 1030. Yeah. And my dad goes to bed earlier than that. <laughs> and it's not fair for him to have to stay up real late waiting on me to, to, to come in and shutting off his alarm system. And I, obviously, I'm not trying to go overboard here, but, you know, there there are some people that I love to stay with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, not to put anybody on the spot, but uh, Brother Derek Melton's mom and dad are like an adopted mom and dad to me. I love them. When I go to Pryor, Oklahoma, I, I have a special relationship with them, and I really, really enjoy staying with him. But I would say that for me, that's the that is the exception because – of the fact that um, I just have to have think time. Mm -hmm. I have to have alone time. I have to be able to 
study and get ready and be prepared. And I know what I have to do spiritually to be ready for a week like that. And for me, good accommodations is is not a luxury. It's an essential. Mm-hmm. While the preacher is there at your meeting, he's constantly on. Always. Even if he's not preaching, right. he has to be, he's he's engaging, he's He's putting a lot into those relationships and those conversations, yep. and there just needs to be a time where he can just shut down and turn it off. He can't necessarily do that always in your home. I'll give you another example, brother. Let's suppose, just like I did last week at Brookhaven, three times I got up 5 o'clock in the morning, and I was on my bike out riding by 5.30, 5.45 in the morning. Well, that means somebody's got to get up and let me out of the house at 5.30 in the morning, you know. And mm-hmm. so, it. I mean, I, enough said, it, yeah. except to say that I'm like you. I think that that scenario is flip-flops. Now, I would say this to, out of love and compassion. If a brother wants me to come to his church and preach, say there's a brother in our Anchored in Truth Network, and their church is so financially strapped that they just absolutely no way, shape, fashion, or form can afford that, Look, I'm going to stay with the pastor. I'm I, obviously the gospel comes first. I, I I can I can adjust. I can, but but let's be honest. A lot of churches can do a lot better than they do. Sure. And yeah. if you can, you should. Yes. If you can, you should. And it comes into just being sensitive to it that do, brother it, and not being stingy and, yeah. and not just you know being a tightwad, so to speak. Yeah. And and so um, one other thing that we do as a normal practice. When an evangelist, uh, visiting preacher, missionary comes to Shelbyville, and we've kind of transitioned now to bed and breakfast or Airbnbs because our hotels aren't the greatest in the world. Mm-hmm. And But whether it's a hotel room or an Airbnb, when they walk in there, brother, there's a shocking, shocking size gift basket. Mm-hmm. I mean, we go overboard. I, we give them enough that they could probably live off of for three weeks. Yeah, they'd probably eat off of that and yeah. not have to worry about a meal. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, we, we do a little bit of investigation and find out what does this guy like? What's his favorite, you know, soda? Or does he drink bottled water? What snacks does he like? Does he eat fruit? Is he a health nut? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we try to put things in there to where he can come in after a meeting and not have to go to Walmart you put one of those little things of Motrin in there, mm-hmm. a toothbrush if you forgot it, some tooth. I mean, we just and, – and one of the things we always do is we put a very nice gift in there for the pastor. And if his wife's traveling with him, we put a gift in there for her. And usually what we do is buy a really, really nice tie, mm-hmm. a, a new tie for the pastor. Yeah. A lot of times they wear that, you know, for the meeting. And in that basket, there's just a card welcoming, welcoming them, letting them know we've been praying for them. And that, you know, we're glad they're here. Mm-hmm. And by the way, whenever the Anchor and Truth missionaries come in, I think we had 12 this year. Mm-hmm. We did 12 baskets. That's right. You know. We had one that brought a family. That's right. And we had some ladies from our church who actually went and stocked their pantry for exactly. them. So that when they got there, they had young, they, they, they had really young children too. So they could just have oatmeal and cereal and things like that for them, bananas and stuff like that. And we're going to come to this in a moment, brother. But you can fly the banner over all this of just generosity yeah of just you know paul said to the church at philippi i think it was if you could have you would have plucked your eyes out and given Mm. them to me they were so giving Mm. and uh just such a refreshing to them he said you've often refreshed me you know and and i want to be a refresher church Mm -hmm. i want to be a guy we're coming here and asking you to minister us but i want you to to leave being refreshed 
revived, renewed, and strengthened for your own ministry back home. Cool drink of water. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what that word means of refreshing, mm-hmm. that it's a cool drink of water. That's exactly what it means in the Greek. Yeah, that's right. So now that as I'm the host pastor, let's say, I've done all of the prep work and I've prepared. And by the way, I've got staff on board that are ha- helping me to handle all of these things too and kind of watching out and trying to be mindful for it. Now the brother is here. Uh-huh. He's, he's shown here. So what are some of the things that we do during the meeting? Well, there's something that I do personally, and that is I'm the senior pastor of the church, and mm-hmm. I just believe it's my responsibility to take care of the visiting preacher. I don't mm-hmm. pass that off to anyone else. Now, if you if you do, I'm not saying I'm more spiritual than you, but I just feel like that that week I'm devoted to taking care of you. And mm-hmm. so I uh, take it upon myself to make sure that that brother that I'm there for him. I eat lunch with him every day. I hang out with him every day. I try not to schedule a bunch of stuff for him just because I want him to be be ready to preach. I remember, you know, growing up, the old Southern Baptist way of you bring an evangelist in, the pastor would have, okay, we're going to make 15 house calls We're going to go soul winning. <laughs> and, and, and man, you know, I've been in those meetings, and my goodness, man, they, they take you out all day long, bring you 30 minutes to church before you preach, and you're just spent. Mm-hmm. And so I don't get me wrong. If I have a brother in here like down in Brookhaven, Brother Chris wanted me to meet with all of his leaders. That was an absolute joy. That's why I'm there. Mm-hmm. I want to do that sort of thing. But I just take it upon myself as the pastor to make sure that I fellowship with this brother and as much or as little mm-hmm. as he prefers, but to make sure that he's taken care of. And um, so that's good. Yeah, I would say this, too, that if you do delegate any of these things, make sure you're not delegating it to somebody who is going to be tough for that pastor. That yeah. You want somebody who's also going to be generous and and they're not going to try to grill him with all these theological questions and you know, let the brother rest. Yeah, no, no disrespect at all, man. I, I'm just speaking out of experience and, and I pray that anybody out here that thinks I'm shooting at them will know I'm not. Yeah. But you know, you have to get over all your fears and your inhibitions to talk about these things. I guarantee right. there's never been a podcast on this, on what we're talking about. Yeah. And so it, it has to be stated. But I was in a church one time, a long time ago, and uh, the pastor passed off to a guy in the church to come t- pick me up and be my you know, my handler or whatever. Yeah, chaperone. Yeah, and that's <laughs> fine. But you know, I, I don't think bad of that pastor at all. But, man, this guy was extremely needy. Mm. He was going through all kinds of marital issues and marital problems. And, brother, he picked me up a basket case. And every night I was like duct tape and super glue pouring on this guy trying to hold him together just to get me a ride to church. Goodness. And, brother, it just exasperated. It's not that I think I'm above that. But I think we can do a little bit better job than that in protecting the brother that we have come in to ensure that he's ready to minister to the body at large. To the whole body. To the whole body. To the preaching, yeah. That's That's right. right. Very good. Um, what about love offerings? Well, Sometimes I, there's skepticism about that. Should I take up a love offering? Should we just do an honorarium? I, I'm going to sound a little bit forceful here, but absolutely, you yeah. should take up a love offering. Under what we talked about at the outset, man, the laborer's worthy of his reward. He's, he's come and he's, he's successfully and faithfully you know, labored among you, and he's, he's due his reward. And I energetically and enthusiastically promote the love offering each night. Um, and let me tell you another thing. Don Singleton, years ago, he challenged me, and I learned a lot of this from Brother Don. I'm just being honest with you. And I learned a lot of it from Brother Jeff. They, 
we've all sharpened each other. But Brother Don said something to me. And again, I'm not, I'm not an apostle. I'm not mandating anything. But he said something to me that made complete sense. He said, John O., always take the love offering for your guest preacher after he preaches. Amen. Because what happens through the preaching of the Word? Yeah, tender God, hearts, brother. God changes hearts, yeah. brother. There may be an, a guy comes into church in a bad mood thinking, I'm not giving a dime. You know, and all of a sudden the words preached, and God breaks his heart, and and God gives him a generous spirit, and yeah. and so I've just always believed that you reward the guy after he's done his job. You you taught me several years ago now too that you'll typically see that whatever you would tend to quote unquote budget to give to him. If you just allow the people to do so out of the abundance of their hearts after being ministered to by the Word, they're going to usually give above and beyond what you would have typically budgeted. I'm not a fan of budgeting yeah. a, a, an, an honorarium for a speaker. Now, in, for a hunter's night out, I think that's okay. Sure. For, for a one-night event, I think it's okay for us to sit down and say, okay, for this weekend, one-day thing or yeah. whatever. We won't always do a love offering. Sometimes we'll just budget for those because it's just a it's a one one-time thing. But I'm not a fan of budgeting for a week-long meeting like that yeah. because I, I've known of churches, brother, that do some hocus-pocus when it comes to this. I preached a meeting for a brother one time, and they had budgeted a certain amount to give to me. And that's fine. That's what he told me. But he got up in the pulpit every service and pitched it to his church as, we need to really give to this brother. We need to really support this brother. And, and, and you know, what you give is going to this brother. And that wasn't the truth, brother. Mm. That just wasn't the truth. Mm. Um, and I felt like it was deceptive. And I, I, I challenged the guy on it and said, look, I'm not asking for anything. I don't want anything. The, whatever you budgeted, that's fine. But you don't need to state it like you're presenting this to your church as if, you're encouraging them to give, and 100% of it's going to go to me, and that's not the case. That's not that's deceptive. It is. So in all things, brother, we need to be truthful and honest. Mm-hmm. And I've just learned through the years that when I bring a man in that preaches the Word and I challenge our people, man, they sacrificially give. They do. Almost every guest preacher, almost without exception, with that we've had here in the last many, many years, decade-plus, have all said, Shelbyville Mills gave me the largest love offering I've ever received in my ministry. Mm-hmm. I remember Jimmy Milliken came over from Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary and preached a week, and he's a faithful warrior for God. Brother, yeah. he's been you know, in his 80s and been doing this for years, and it just broke my heart. I mean, I was thankful that we gave him the largest love offering that he ever received, but it broke my heart. Yeah. That you mean to tell me what we gave you was the largest all the years you've been ministering? Yep. And that's not a commendation of Shelby Mills. That's a condemnation of the pitiful giving Mm -hmm. of churches throughout the history of that man's ministry. Mm -hmm. And so let me just say this while I'm thinking about it. Don't monkey around with a love offering. Amen. Um, When you stand up in front of your people and you say, look, we're giving for this brother— 100% 100% of it needs to go to him. You don't take his expenses out of it. Oh, you don't take his mileage out of it. <laughs> yeah. That The love offering is what the church gave to bless that brother. Yeah. The budget of the church should absorb his uh, you know, expenses and honor, I mean, his uh, meals and mileage. And That's stuff. right. Yeah. And so, uh, but there's a lot of churches, brother, I know of, I've, I've experienced this firsthand, that budget an amount and then appeal to the people to give, and they end up 
two or three thousand dollars profit at the end of the week, and they pocket what the people Ooh. gave over what they budgeted. Wow, that's just deceptive. It is. And so, you know, that's not the way ethical brothers do business, man. I, mm-hmm. And so I, I would just challenge the pastor to energetically and enthusiastically challenge the people to give. And whatever's given, man, you give 100% of it to that visiting preacher, and God will bless you and honor you for that. Do you keep an eye on it throughout the week? Like, say they come in on Sunday, Monday, and you're kind of thinking, well, maybe it's low. Maybe I need to make a stronger appeal. I personally do. Yeah, I like to know where we are. Mm-hmm. Typically, Shelbyville Mills comes in very strong at the end, but <laughs> I, I just like to keep an eye on it, brother. So yeah. I just tell Brother Ryan and our counting committee, Nothing. There's no shenanigans. I don't hide anything. I'm here on an open mic. Yeah. I tell our entire finance committee and counting committee, teller committee. I tell Brother Ryan, who's the elder of that, I'd like to put right down on a post-it note every evening. I want to know what the cumulative love offering is so far. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll tell our folks midweek. Here's what you know. We need to do a better job. Yeah. Amen. You know, we need to we we need to um, pray harder and mm-hmm. and dig deeper because I don't think we're on track for who we are as a congregation here. Yeah. And and our people, you know, they, they understand my heart and they respond appropriately. So after the meeting, after the brother's left, he's gone home, uh, do you do any kind of follow-up? Well, the first thing I'd say is I want him to leave with his love offering. So we're not sending a check later no, on? No, sir. I tell our teller committee, Y'all go count that last offering, and and me and the brother will go to a restaurant, and sometimes you'll drive to that restaurant to bring me the check. Right. But I want him to go home with his reward. Yeah, I don't want him to have to wait, and and you know, again, he's going to have expenses and things and needs himself. Mm-hmm. But um, but we uh, you know, we we give him that so that he has it to go home with him, and then, you know, just one of the thing that that I would say that would be a very very sweet blessing and elevate this to a to another level and that's what we need to do mm-hmm. when a brother comes and ministers among your congregation write a letter to his elders man that's and, good and just tell them guys I just and obviously you can't write a doctoral thesis yeah but just maybe tell them the top five things that god did while their pastor was there Mm -hmm. thank them for allowing him to come Mm -hmm. please share with your congregation how god used your pastor while he was here Mm -hmm. and i would just encourage you to write that letter to the elders of that church or however they're structured their Mm -hmm. deacons and and thank them for allowing that pastor to come and let them know and give them a little bit of a flavor of what god did in the week while he was there with them i i to, again, to me, that's just kind of being thoughtful. It goes a long way for that church, too, as they're considering how they're going to financially bless him yep. and how they're going to financially, in other ways, bless visiting pastors, Exactly, too. exactly, yeah. 100%. It's kind of iron sharpening iron there. It is. Yeah. It is. So when it comes to the uh, the whole matter of generosity, then uh, uh, what kind of principles do you kind of— that govern you on all of it, just kind of a general broad swoop, then here's the biblical principles behind it all. Well, I don't think I'm violating any confidences here, and if, if I am, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly repent. But, <laughs> you know, last week uh, Chris asked me to meet with him and his leaders, and I did. And we talked a good bit about this very thing, though for the matter of full disclosure, I think they were already way, way, way down the road in their understanding of this whole principle of double honor and mm-hmm. generosity and 
and uh, and by the way, very teachable and humble and open and hungry. And one, mm-hmm. they were asking me point blank questions, and I love that. Mm-hmm. It seems like when you come to the matter of money, there's so many strongholds, yeah. so many little fleshly false mindsets of what spiritual is, and most of it's not spiritual at all. It's carnal, stingy, and tight water. Amen, brother. And so to be around a church where they're energetically asking me questions and want to know is refreshing. And I experience that in most of our Anchored and True churches. I really mm-hmm. do. They, they really want, you know, instruction here. But the banner, in my estimation, that I fly here at Shelbyville Mills, if you walked into a pastor's deacon's meeting at Shelbyville Mills and I said, okay, I'm going to give you a couple of words and then y'all fill in the blank, always be what would be the fill in the blank. Generous, Generous. always. Always. I say that a thousand times. If it's a benevolence ministry, last night in the deacon's meeting, be generous. If it's for your anniversary, let's be generous. If it's a visiting preacher, let's be generous. If you come to the church as our mission's elder and you say, this brother in South America needs a car, we went and bought him a a car. Be generous. Be generous. Be generous. Mm -hmm. There's a wonder and a woe about this whole matter of generosity. Mm -hmm. The wonder is when you're generous, kind of like God said to the Israelites when you tithe, um, he, he talked about, I'll open up the winds of heaven and pour out on you a blessing that there'll not be room enough to receive. I've lived that. Yeah. Kind of like what the Lord Jesus said when you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, mm. shaken together, and mm. running over. I think that's in the Gospel of Luke, mm. chapter 6. That's the words of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. I've lived that. I've experienced that. Churches that get what I'm saying, they're caring. Mm. They're thoughtful. They're sensitive. They've got that spiritual peripheral vision. They pay attention to what's going on around them. They're giving. Their, their modus operandi is not... How can we pinch a penny and right. cut a corner and save and, a buck? And, and save a buck <laughs> you know, and, and, and use Bubba Cola instead of Dr. Pepper or whatever. You know, I, I just hate that mindset, brother, yeah. that chinchy, we call it, stingy mindset. Mm-hmm. And those, the churches that are generous are super abundantly blessed. And I'm going to give you an illustration of that in just a moment. But the woe side of it is this. Mm-hmm. In the churches where they believe it honors God to save a buck— mm-hmm. In the churches where they believe it honors God to see how big they can build their bank account up or how much money they can get in their CD, they're crippled. They're crippled. Mm -hmm. They're handicapped churches that never get to experience the joy of the liberality of God. And here's what I'd say. The only place in the Bible we have permission to be liberal is in giving. The Mm -hmm. Bible commands us to give (laughs) liberally. Yeah. And so if we're going to be a liberal, it needs to be in this matter of giving. <laughs> but it's funny, when it comes to giving, conservative churches become even more conservative yeah. and stingy and tight-fisted. Those churches are crippled from ever knowing the bountiful blessings of God. Yeah. But the churches that are giving, sacrificial, bountiful blessing, those are the churches Paul spoke so fondly of, that spoke with such you know, high esteem for. Those were the churches that God's hand was on, his hand of blessing. Mm. And the stingy churches just kind of like they're always just kind of stingy and tight mm. and and never full of joy and it's just a business and a spreadsheet. Yeah. And so one of the things I hold before our people all the time is be generous. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess, brother, I shared this with Chris and I shared it with his leaders. It's common knowledge here. But um, 
Shelbyville Mills has matured in several ways through the years. And this is one of them in this matter of generosity. But brother, for years, we barely made it. Hmm. Uh, for years, we, we barely got by. And this is kind of a, a lot of guys wouldn't be comfortable sharing this, but I, I, I've learned through the years, if I don't teach these things, it's nobody's going to. Mm-hmm. And um, brother, we, we just seemed to struggle. We just seemed to barely get by. We, we, we never you know, had much of a cushion. We, we just struggled. And um, obviously, obviously, these are not absolutes, but definitely what I'm telling you is the truth. On year 15, Kayla and I had refinanced our home for 15 years, uh, years back. And, and thank the Lord, we had gotten it way, way down. Um, and uh, on my 15th anniversary, this church super abundantly uh, paid the balance of my mortgage off. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely floored me. I about fell out on the stage when David Brown made that presentation that morning. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, brother, uh, that's the only thing in our church that changed. Our church is pretty much everything that it was biblically. But our church really caught a vision for being generous, specifically to its pastor. Yeah. And, brother, I can take you to the day. I can take you to the day almost mm-hmm. when this church began to be more liberal and more generous and more giving with its pastor and pastors and missionaries, mm-hmm. and yeah. but specifically pastor that brother, we began to have a super abundance. And you know, on my 20th anniversary, the church did a similar, just blessed me and Kayla super abundantly, brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, just were so financially uh, a blessing toward us and did it with enthusiasm, mm-hmm. did it with joy. And um, I'm very grateful for that. It's very humbling. I didn't ask for it. Right. Um, but again, brother, the Lord has just super abundantly blessed our church. And you're sitting in here, and you know I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, brother, I'm not going to fear the health and wealth charismatic gospel rape preachers yeah. that rape the gospel that say, I'm going to send you this prayer cloth if you give me 50 bucks. You know, we detest that and hate that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes what we do is we let the charismatics rob us mm-hmm. of pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Yeah. And we let the charismatic abusers rob us of, I will open up for you the windows of heaven. Mm-hmm. We let them rob us of double honor. Yeah. I don't care what they're doing. It's immaterial. Mm-hmm. I want to follow Christ and follow the scriptures, and I want to be generous. When the woman broke the alabaster box, there's always a Judas around to say, we could have taken this money, and we could have put it in the bank and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had a stern rebuke for them. You always have the poor, but you don't always have me. Yeah. And he said, wherever this gospel goes, this is going to be a memorial for her. Mm-hmm. And you know, Ryan and I were talking at lunch today about the extravagance of the materials that went into building Solomon's temple. Mm. They could have used brass. <laughs> it was just as shiny, but God wanted gold. Mm. And and that Ark of the Covenant was overlaid with pure gold, as were the you know, the snuff dishes and even the, the seven tiny ranch. utensils, yeah. every yeah. And 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 I'm not pushing for extravagance, but I think the overwhelming prevailing mindset of most Baptists is that God's a tightwad and we should be too. Mm. And, brother, I think we should be generous. God so loved the world that he what? Gave. And what did he give? The most expensive Mm -hmm. gift he had, his only begotten son. Mm -hmm. That's where I want to lean. Yeah. And so, brother, I want to just say this, and I said it to Chris's men last week. 
And I'm not I'm not saying that if you do what we did, you're going to be blessed exactly the same to the exact same monetary amount or whatever. You got to know me better than that. Right. The principle is what I hope you get, and that is stingy people tend to stay stingy. Yeah. And generous people tend to experience the the bountiful blessings of God. Mm-hmm. And last month, after we closed out our uh, financials, all debt-free, mm-hmm. all bills paid, all salaries paid, all receivables paid, and I think we had, what, $1.5 million in our general operating account. That is unheard of. Right. We're a blue-collar church. Yeah. That's unheard of for right. our, our church our size. And, you know, we're right now looking about and praying about the possibility of expanding our sanctuary seating Mm -hmm. and you know it's 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 a blessing to think that we might already have half of that ready faith commitment has nearly doubled it has exploded we're able to give more to pastors this year than we've ever been able to do before what else are we supposed to do with it (laughs) and brother here's the thing because of the blessing when me and kayla sit down every week or every two weeks because i get paid every other week and when i write out my tithe check i've never just tithed we always give far above a tithe but whenever I, I call it my tithe when I write out my tithe and and then I write out my faith commitment I want every penny of it to be used I have no interest in the money I give to this church to be for us to have a big bank account right I want it to be used I'm giving it because I want it to go to work yeah. in the kingdom. I want to bless missionaries I want to plant churches I want to pay, help pay pastors salaries. And Shelbyville Mills doesn't have the hub on the market. Any brother out there listening, in a few years, your church can be right here where we are, but that stingy, stronghold, skin flint, Mm -hmm. tight-fisted spirit, that stronghold has got to be broken. And that's always the last one to die. And, and, And until your church develops a generous spirit, Shelbyville Mills has given itself to where it is. Hmm. I heard Jeff Noblet share that in Talladega, Alabama, when I pastored Ridgeview Baptist Church, and he was preaching about how him and Pam had given their way to God's blessings in their lives. Hmm. And, brother, I see that, hmm. and I'm experiencing it personally, yeah. and our church is experiencing it. So there's going to be a brother listen to this and scoff at it and think, oh, man, this is crazy. I'm not going. They just want money. Well, if that's what you think, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> but there will be one brother out there that's got a tender heart, and he'll understand the spirit in which I'm saying this, and it'll challenge him. And he'll say, you know what, that's right, that's biblical, and that's true. And I just dare you to taste and see that the Lord's good. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the only place where we're allowed to put God to the test. The Bible yeah. says, put not the Lord thy God to the test. Right. But when it comes to giving, he says, test me now with this, says the Lord of hosts. And I just challenge you to test him in this area and see mm-hmm. if he won't open up the heaven's windows and pour out on you a blessing hmm. that there's not room enough to receive because under Christ, you developed a generous, giving spirit. I just challenge any brother out there with that. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord's good. Mm-hmm. Try him in this, especially in the area of missions giving. Mm-hmm. You know, for years, brother, our faith commitment here was just not very strong at all mm-hmm. for the amount of people we have. And it went from 40,000 to 70, and then we went from 70 to 80. And then we went from 80 to 150 a few years ago. And then we went from 150 to 180 last year. And this year we went from 180 to what, 250 or something? 230, 240. 
and that's above our tithes and offerings. And that's money that's going directly to Anchored in Truth missionaries all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it only happened because individual people mm-hmm. decided to be generous with God, with our visiting evangelists and preachers, and with our local pastor that we already have, mm-hmm. and with the program that God has laid out for us here in Bedford County, Tennessee. Yeah. God honors generosity. Mm-hmm. I hope if there's nothing else people get out of this podcast today, that's it. And I, like I said, I'll guarantee, I don't know that this is a very seldom discussed topic because guys are uncomfortable talking about it. Yeah. They they think it's unspiritual. Or self-serving. Or I've self-serving, yeah. or I'm trying to butter my own bread. And that's just not the case at all, brother. Yeah. They, this is as much the Word of God as John 3.16. Mm-hmm. Preach it with just as much fire and You thunder. have to. That's right. That would be one less thing that I would say. Yeah. The pastor that's listening to me that's all sheepish and cowed down and ashamed, and that's just a backdoor form of pride. Yeah. You don't want people to think you're a money grubber. You don't want people to think that you're asking for money. So in this false display of humility, you just say, well, I'm just not going to broach the subject. And you cripple your church to being a stingy church. Yeah. I'll tell you this. If Brother, pastor, if you don't preach these great financial principles that are laid down in the Word of God, no one ever will. Yeah. And I remember when I preached them here, I'd go home and I'd feel dirty and I'd feel uncomfortable and I'd feel unspiritual. And I'd, it was my pride. Mm. I was afraid somebody's going to think bad about me. Yeah. I was afraid somebody was going to think John was just trying to get something. I had to get over myself mm. Mm. to get to the point to where—and this church is being blessed for it, brother. Yeah. yeah. I would have crippled this congregation if I would have remained where I was. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'd say even beyond that, too, there are times now where I even see that sometimes the church family is even out ahead of us in some of these areas. It's wonderful. I know to they see are it. me. They, <laughs> I know they are now. It's a blessing to it see it. It is a blessing, brother. Yeah. I think, I think our church is overwhelmingly generous. Mm. Well, praise God. And the church is being blessed for it. Well, brother, that's a, we may have hit a good place to kind of wrap things up here. And again, like you said, there's not a whole lot of people that are talking about it, but this is biblical. And that's yes. what the Apostle Paul says. And the church family, when they see that in the pastor, that he is hospitable, they're going to catch it as well. You know, Paul commended the churches of Macedonia, mm-hmm. um, and he had to really reprove the church at Corinth mm-hmm. for not following up on the matter of bounty, as he calls it, for the church back at Jerusalem when he went through to the Gentile churches to challenge them to give to the poor saints at Jerusalem. And the churches that he praised and held in the highest esteem were those that were generous. And the church that he had to reprove was the church that was being stingy. (laughs) God always blesses generosity. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the Lord tells us to give. Mm -hmm. And the Lord will never be any man's debtor. You can't outgive God. Yeah. God doesn't really need your money. He lets you get in on his plan of economy. And, um, you know, God's not a beggar. He's not a pauper. Right. But he lets us share in the bountiful harvest when we are generous spirited. Mm-hmm. And that's usually it, too. The more tender the heart towards the Lord. Uh, the more willing to give. I can only tell you, brother, that when God saved me, uh, he saved my billfold. Mm -hmm. 
and gave me a new attitude and a new spirit toward money. Mm-hmm. And I see now, you know, knocking on 60's door, and <laughs> some people say that's young, some people say it's not so young, but I can see a little bit now clearer than I ever have before how I ain't taking it with me. <laughs> There's not a thing I have that's going with me. I'm going to leave. I remember one time a man died, and the attorneys were gathered together, and one asked another attorney, well, how much did he leave? And he said, every bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so will you. Um, but but what you give, Jesus says you roll that forward. Yeah. Where thieves can't steal, mm-hmm. uh, rust can't corrupt, mm-hmm. and moths can't eat. Yep. And that's uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So mm-hmm. I would ask you in closing, where's your treasure? Yeah. Where's your treasure? What is it you value and treasure? Is it stockpiling? Mm-hmm. Brother Roger used to say, get all you can and can all you get and sit on the lid. <laughs> Is that what it is? Or is it generosity for the kingdom of God? Mm. Where is your treasure? Because that's where your heart is. Amen. Well, if any of these truths have resonated well in your head and your heart, please drop us a message and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you have any questions about any of this, please give us a holler as well. My email address is brojo at smbconline.com. And we love hearing from our listeners, and we love all of you guys so much. Thank you for joining with us. Thank you for listening to the Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother Giano's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at Giano Sims.